Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we got in store today? Hey, Adam. Hey, today we have with us John Elmore. John is the Director of Community and uh, Director of Region. And as far as we know, Adam, he holds the distinction of having the worst tattoo it on is. our staff. Yes, that is his reputation. <laughs> and so uh, it's too long of a story. Way too long. It's fascinating. It is. And God's kind of in it. Uh, you have to ask him in person if you come to CLC or sometime. Uh, maybe we'll do a whole podcast on your tattoo sure. sometime. They can't see it. it. They can ask. That would be amazing. <laughs> so uh, since we're not talking about your tattoo, we're going to talk about uh, change um, today. And really sitting in the seat that, that I sit in working with other churches, that's probably the number one question we get, uh, John, is you'll have a leader, they'll come and they'll say, um, man, I I know we need to do this thing, or God's kind of given me this idea of what should be. How do I do that? How do I go back to my place and put this um, into action? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but before we get going, like, uh, why don't you tell folks just a little bit about the journey you've been on? Uh, we asked you to be here for a reason, because you've led uh, big change recently. So why don't you let uh, the listeners in uh, on that story a little bit, and then we'll pick up uh, kind of maybe um, some practical tips on how to bring about change in their place. Sure. So I was overseeing regeneration um, for the last couple of years, went through some pretty significant changes over the course of that time. And uh, throughout, there was a guy that was on staff and he was overseeing community and just went to leadership and said, hey, you know what? I think I'm playing a superintendent role. I want to get back in the classroom. And him just knowing his own gift mix and passion and desire, wanted to be a shepherd over the flock. And so he raised his hand. And so that created an opening for then uh, leadership to consider who else could be in that. So I got a phone call one day before I was walking into regeneration from our campus pastor and said, what do you think about community? And just to ask him, uh, if you're asking me to maintain, I don't think I'm the guy. I, I like doesn't, um, there's nothing in me that like gets excited about that or whatever. But if you're asking me to bring about change, then there's nothing I'd be more excited about. And like my heart leapt at that. He said, it's, it's the latter, it's that. And for that, like, I got so instantly excited, went home, talked to Laura about it, talked to community. Like, we were—it it was an immediate yes as we thought, considered it. Like, I couldn't stop dreaming about it. My mind, like, all of a sudden, it's, it's where I went in dream state, waking, eating, sleeping. I mean, it was just like—so just felt a real excitement and vision for it, and— uh, that's where we begin. Which is what makes you a leader, and uh, all leaders, probably people listening right now, you think about change, and leaders generally get excited about change. We like to see change. We don't like the status quo. We're always pushing. We're thinking about the next hill that we could take. And if it was everybody was just like us, then leading change would be really easy. <laughs> but it's not, because not everybody that we're leading likes change, which is why, what, uh, Who Moved My Cheese has sold a billion copies or something like that. It's because every leader out there has <laughs> gone— One-sixth of every person on the planet. Yeah, like it's yeah. something like that. That's I don't amazing. know. You can fact-check that. But anyway, so, th- I mean, those th- that resource is so popular because change is so difficult. Not everybody thinks like leaders do with change. And so some of that's what we're going to talk yeah, about now. I remember, John, I, I remember when you—that position kind of came across your desk, how— like a lot of a lot of decisions are deliberated, and that one was once you found out uh, you had the keys, it was an immediate yes. Like I am in, and that was I mean that was really really yeah. fun uh, to watch. So why don't you um, just go a few kind of paragraphs with us on the change that you actually did um, kind of bring about uh, at a high level, or kind of what what uh, what course you set, and then we'll reverse engineer and talk about kind of how you got there. It's really I think impossible and kind of. Um 
a useless exercise to talk about change without talking about where things were and why the need, because it's, you'd never want to change something just for change sake. It's not like, Hey, I've got a new role. So I got to mix things up. That would be fleshly and stupid and exhaust people. And just, it's, it's just in vain. But if you can see a little bit of like, um, well, I went into a meeting once and you're like, I think it was one of the two of you were like, you seem angry. <laughs> and I was like, I, I am, but I think it's a holy angst. It's not an anger. It's like a, it's a holy discontent with, uh, we had our visionary leader talking about community. And then I, I was experiencing a reality and hearing a reality that thought like, I, I think there's been a disconnect. There's a, there's a dissonance. There's a divergence from what was, what could be, and what is. And so that's like what I was just thinking and dreaming about. So as we thought about um, where it is, where we wanted it to be, just like thinking about some of the big picture stuff, it was internal, external, and then um, giving the flock food, like spiritual food. So those those are some of the big buckets. Um, we'll get in some of the internal changes that we did and shifted around so that the team could be more optimal and do what they were really wired up and gifted and passionate about doing. And then uh, externally, like with lay leadership, um, there was an important movement there that I think had to happen in order to go from vision to actual values that weren't just aspirational. Like that was going to be essential. Otherwise, it was just us trying to turn something, but if the body's not behind it and they're not in it and we don't have um, leaders that are sold out, bought in, all there in the ministry, that was going to not work. And then lastly, felt like um, in general, the flock, we Watermark has such a high trust, autonomous, independent, like here's the Bible, you've got the spirit of God, people of God, we trust that you're going to do well which worked really well in some of the earlier years. But now, I mean, we're adding 200 people a, a month just on the Dallas campus alone to the church. So we had to get some guardrails there, some like field of play yep. to make sure that the flock was being fed, nourished, um, pointed towards Christ and not just coming together functionally to do community, but to be community. Yeah, that's good. So the, the topic we're talking about is small groups, community is what we we'll call it here. That, and that's the part of your role that we're talking about um, is how you moved into this role as the one who's going to run point on all of our small groups and kind of said, hey, guys, I think we can do better. And uh, I remember some of the emails you sent to the elders and uh, all those kind of things. So we'll talk about that process. But uh, this um, this isn't a sub-ministry within our church. You're talking about bringing about change really like systemically across our entire church, across all of our campus uh, campuses. And so this was a really, really big deal. So um, Adam, you want to kind of walk us through um, kind of the process? Yeah. And so, and I know John would want to say this, he's, he's in the process of this now. And so you wouldn't say all the changes are complete. Uh, you're in the middle of leading through the change, which is why we invited him in here. So what we're going to do now is we've written down just seven principles that we think uh, were were some guiding principles for John and his team as they led the ministry through these changes. And just to be clear, too, th- these things, we're going to talk about them in a linear fashion. A lot of these things, like John didn't have this checklist going, okay, the very first thing I'm going to do is number one, and then number two, and then moving on. And he wasn't doing... This was very uh, fluid, complex situation. And so it's going to sound a lot more neat and tidy today on this podcast than it really was in reality. And I know that we just want to get that out there. But let's talk through these seven principles because it did flow in this general direction. And the very first one should be no surprise. First principle, pray. What do you, what, talk, talk about that. Uh, you feel the weight of it when, when 
The elders have entrusted to you their baby, the thing they bet the farm on, the thing that every single one of our members is a part of there in a community group is like, this is this is not something that we're just going to jerk the wheel or do quickly or like, oh, I've got a gut feeling that X, Y, or Z. Instead, like, as I um, received that mantle, I'm going to remember it's still, I've got this, um, right now I'm going through one of those ESV studying Bibles, uh, sorry, journaling Bibles. Jonathan Edwards' wife like stitched in blank pages to his Bible. ESV now created one of those. Uh, and you uh, have that Bible now? Yeah, it's 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 uh, it should be in a museum, but I just I write over <laughs> Jonathan amazing. Edwards' notes. It's yeah. <laughs> uh, so they created these, and I so it's just one big blank page. And and as I look back through it now, I see my prayers like early on when we were considering it, then when I received the role, and I'm I mean I'm pleading with God. Just like you have to give wisdom. You've got to align us with the elders, with the team, with the body. Like I'm just pleading with them because I know like I don't I don't have the the ability, the know-how, the whatever. Like this has got to be a work of God or it's it's all gonna flop. Like it'll be worthless. And so there was a pleading with him there and then just a pouring over of scripture. I mean, community, because of the size and scope of our church, um, I, I sat in Exodus 18 and was just like making notes on structure, leadership, um, circling back up prayer and problems upward, and just really taking from that. And then the other thing that happened as I, as I prayed and sought God, as I was looking at the scriptures, is I just had a running Word document. And I had, I remember my direct report, he's like, so how, you know, what are you thinking? What are you coming up with? How are you doing? I was like, man, I've got eight pages of stuff. Like, how much time do you have? Because I just had this running document where ideas are coming to my mind and they're starting to form into buckets. I'm seeing themes and truly like all of that, like make no mistake, had I not sought the Lord, been in his word, had other people praying for me, I know as well, I don't think anything would have come to pass, like the dreams and the ideas and all that. So, so John, why do we need to remind leaders to pray when it comes to leading change? Because <laughs> they don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, whoever made the comment, it's amazing what the American church can do without prayer or without yeah, God. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're very, very guilty of that. Um, and so, yeah, that's where we start before we do anything. Um, and John, I, I remember that season and I remember how energized you were, how you felt like um, this was a holy task. Why are you using uh, past tense verbs? I well, were, was, in <laughs> I didn't do very good in English grammar. Uh, yes, both, uh, what was and what is. And um, so a, a couple things, Adam, obviously we want the heart of God. Like we want our church to reflect the things that God, you know, cares about. And so we don't want to just uh, come in with a wild idea and start executing on that. So which, which I think you did a great job, John. And then second, like John cared about this, right? And so if you're going to bring about change, like probably nobody is going to care more than you. And I, I would say probably that's still the case, John. Nobody cares about this stuff more more than you. And you're going to have to bring a lot of energy if you're going to you're going to bring about change, especially big change. You're going to have to be energized. You're going to have to believe it. You're going to have to feel like God's on your side. And uh, and I thought you did that really really well. It was fun to watch. So it doesn't matter what size of change you're trying to implement in your church. It could be as simple as uh, do we change the service start time uh, or do we change the look and feel of our bulletin or something like that but with all of this when any anything that's changed making sure that you're praying I love the opening up of the word document I think that's that's really really great just to keep putting all those ideas in the er, in the early stages just writing all those down so okay so that's principle one is pray principle two here was to clarify the ask yeah so having received this I mean it's community it's our middle name of the church as John said like that's something that I've I like felt very uh just the, the priority and 
responsibility of like, hey, this is not mine to just drive. Like this is the elders of which Christ is the head of the church. And so what I want to do here is clarify back to them, hey, I believe that this is your priority. I think this is the the most important thing that we do at the church. I believe that it has the most lay leadership of the church. I believe that the coaching structure, which we're now calling shepherds, is really important. That's really vital to this. I believe that you want this to be best in every single way. I believe that you want them healthy. I believe that you want them growing. I believe that you want to raise the leadership bar. I just started stating back to them what I believe. Heads are nodding like, yes, that's accurate. That's true. Because then it's like, okay, well, that being the case, let me now uh, maybe transfer my holy angst to you. I believe that if we don't change things, we're going to be uh, in a relevant megachurch that has great teaching on the weekend where our members are living out the other 6.99 days of the week outside of that hour being in a church service um, in, in futility and frustration and spiritual like neglect or narcissism. Like it's just, we're, we're going to fade because our scope has has grown. Like the Lord has, you know, now expanded to four campuses and the members that are coming in. And so I, I believe that this is essential. And what that did is give them, I think, a pulse to either agree or disagree. Like this is, this is the status quo. That's where we're going to be if we don't change. Like we are going to drift. Um, vision leaks. We, I believe, have right now aspirational values that are not even an act- actual in a lot of community groups. And so creating that um, dissonance there of like, getting them in agreement of like, yes, we agree things do need to change. Because otherwise, if I were just to come in and say, hey, here's my ideas, what do you think? It's like, well, why? Like, what? why do we even need to, why do A instead of B? I don't know. That's, that's, you know, then all of a sudden, but if you, if you can present that, I think that's a really helpful thing. And that way, I'm not frustrating them by going about some business that they wouldn't even have bought in on or been excited about. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, you have to, um, if sitting in the seats that, that we sit uh, as men under authority, you've got to make sure you've got buy-in and that you're on the same page. And you, you've you seen this, uh, right? You were somebody executed a plan beautifully, uh, but it wasn't, there was no alignment at the top. And so now you've got to undo all the hard work. And so I think you were really wise to say, this is, this is what, uh, this is what I see as a problem. And some of that that you read off about, like, we're going to be irrelevant and all those things. That was like, those are verbatim quotes in some of your communication to the elders. Uh, do you agree? Uh, and if so, here's what I'm going to do. And they said, yeah, that absolutely. Like that's, that's kind of what we've been saying we should do anyway. It wasn't, uh, you didn't come up with this crazy novel plan that caught them off guard. They were saying, that's what we've been trying to do. Thank you. Now go, go lead this. And so you had the wind then, uh, to your back and, um, and, and you were completely aligned, um, with the elders now, now became the job of, uh, aligning, uh, below you. Yeah. And what I love is, uh, essentially this change was delegated to you. And a lot of times in churches, change is delegated. So, so your boss is saying, will you make this change? And just a good communication principle, clarifying that ask. So I, I love that he had that on there after talking to God, that before he went back and started to now go to the troops and go, here's where we're going, he went back to his authority and just said, all right, I'm, let's just make sure we're all on the same page. This is what you want me to do, right? And made sure all heads were nodding, uh, which I think is such a great principle to remember. So we first principle was to pray. The second one was to clarify the ask. So now, now that the ask has been clarified, third principle in here was to define reality. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so in clarifying the ask, I mean, we've got these incredible others that were like, oh, like, absolutely, yes, we have bet the farm on that. Go, run. I mean, they, we've felt nothing 
but backing and energy and excitement and empowering from them. And so that allowed us to now go into this defined reality. And so we go to the stakeholders, this is the community directors, these people that have been on staff, you know, many of them longer than me. They are shepherds at heart. They love and breathe and bleed community to oversee the flock and make sure that um, the people are doing well and thriving here at the church. And so in defining reality, I don't want to come in and say, hey, this thing, X, Y, or Z, what we did is we we all came together in a meeting, I'll, I'll never forget it, and said, hey, I want everyone to give a grade to community here at Watermark, A through F. And of course, you're going to have some groups that are A's, you're going to have some that are F's and maybe shouldn't even be groups. You're going to have a, you know, the bell curve middle, B's and C's, but like blend all that together and let's let's have an average grade. We are Watermark Community Church. What is our grade of community. And so out of the 17 people in the room, we took all of their answer, you know, just blind ballot, cast it in. And the average, what would you guess it was? C minus. To be fair, like I, I think it's a, that's a fair grade. The, uh, the bar around here is pretty ridiculous, candidly. Um, so unless you, unless you think the wheels were coming off, they, they just weren't. Um, but we have a very, very high standard of community. We're not trying to get together in a room in a circle and do fill in the blank Bible studies. I mean, we, we were trying to live out all the one another's of scriptures and admonish and encourage and be patient. And uh, th- these were like, a, it was a really, really high bar. So with that bar, we got to, we yeah. got to see. And that's, that's exactly right. That's what those directors were saying is like, there's so much more they could be, you know, th- th- this and that, and I wish, and I hope, and I pray and dream. So what was the mood so, in the room when everybody said C minus? Were there high fives? Were there no, everybody it was, excited? It was, thank you. It was yeah. very, it was very sobering. Yeah. And, then, and then further we said, and of those uh, we're all in a group. We're all in a community group ourselves. Like staff is a part of that. What would you give to that? And it was B minus, you know, just ground to take for us, even as leaders on staff in the church. And so um, it was like, hey, it was sobering. It was it was eye opening, I think. And and I think some people would say, hey, that was subjective. I'm like, well, it's subjective until you have consensus. Like we've, I mean, it, it wasn't like A and F. We were all landing right around that, you know, kind of. D to C plus space. And so we had a, a really kind of a consensus. And so in that sobering moment, it's like, well, no one's content with that, right? Like we all long for more, to excel still more, to see the flock grow and thrive. And so that was a little, that was a defining of reality. This is where we are. Now here is where we all want to be. Like this is what is laid out in the scriptures that frankly, it's not burdensome. It leads to abundant life. It's the full abundant life in Christ. And so we know that can be, and now we just got to talk about the journey on how to get there. And so as a leader now, if they envision doing this with their staff team and they give whatever they're trying to to uh, make better, to analyze, they get a C minus. You also as a leader are getting a good indication on your team right there because you know one of the characteristics of a leader is just, uh, despising the status quo. And so for you, you were happy to see nobody was okay with C minus. There may be some uh, on some team that have been like C minus. Hey, I mean, like yeah. D equals diploma, right? That we're above a D, we're doing okay. And that would have been some really good information to know for something that we'll get to a little bit later on yeah. who's going to. Which go is with just you. so classic. So a lot of times a leader, right, he'll come in uh, angry. You know, he's had too much coffee and he wants to change. And no one else thinks that change needs to happen. And so by doing this, by getting on the same page, by defining reality, uh, agreeing on the facts, then everyone then can craft the solutions together and you're going to get buy-in. You're not going to get people dragging their heels and saying, I I don't even know what all this, uh, you know, flurry of activity is for. I think we're doing just fine. Like you're, you're dead before you even start. 
Yeah, that's good. And I think this is important too because I'm learned from my mistake here. So, as we went through that C minus exercise, there was also a soberness in the room of like, wait, are you saying that we are doing C minus work? And I really dropped the ball there. I should have preemptively been like, uh, said like, you all are getting after. It. You're out with the flock nights. You're here doing assessments on the weekends. You're responding to texts and calls and this and that. You all are killing it. The groups have ground to take. Your directors are doing exceptional on leading. And I, I missed that. And you could see too, there was a sting of like, did you just grade us a C minus? Yeah. And it was like, no, we're talking about the, the, the health and the growth overall anecdotally of the church. And so, you know, learn from me there. That's yeah. good. And maybe even honor what, yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, what has been, because really I think the problem we're dealing with was just growth and the structures and kind of the offense we were running. It worked really, really good when our church was, I don't know, half our size, John, it was, Absolutely. It was just fine. And so now that we're, uh, now that we're bigger, uh, more complex, more campuses, you have to change. And I, you know, I, I'm sure, um, I don't know if the stats would bear this out, but I guess there's two kinds of churches. There's the churches who change or the churches who die. And you were saying, like, guys, we've got a great run. We now have to uh, change. Absolutely. It was a growth and scope issue That's around great. the vision and values for the church. Okay. So uh, principle three was to, to define reality. So now you've had your C minus moment. You've defined reality. Everybody's nodding their heads. So now we're on to the fourth principle here. Envision the future. Talk about how you did that. For envision the future, um, we started with like, the end in mind of like, hey, we want every group to be healthy. We want every group to be growing. So like in a four, Ephesians 4.12, just like for them to be mature and grown up in Christ, the sanctification that needs to happen. And so if if that's the goal, they're, people aren't just naturally going to get there. Like it, as we walk through and grow in Christ, there's that sanctification by the Spirit in community with people by the Word of God that's all happening in concert. And so there needed to be uh, a field of play, guardrails, guidelines, whatever you want to call it, in order to get them there. It wasn't going to happen by accident. Otherwise, nothing would need to change. And so we talked about just some strategies and tactics that we could put in place, even measurables, to start looking at where groups are, where they want to be, and how we're going to get them there. And so some of that had to do with, well, I don't know how much in the weeds we want to get in that, but we talked about some of the strategies of like, these will be some of the um, questions that we'll ask on a weekly basis so that we're not just uh, learning values, but we're making the values livable because we're going to talk about them every week. Hey guys, we'll be right back to our conversation here in a moment, but we wanted to let you know about Watermark's Church Leaders Conference. It's happening in April, the 2nd through 4th, 2019 here at Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, so it's a conference for anyone on a church staff or a parachurch ministry or uh, vol who volunteers in a significant way at the church. Basically, anybody that feels the leadership weight within the local church. Yeah, these three days are meant to inspire you with all that God wants to do through His church and to equip you to be a better leader wherever God has placed you on mission. So no matter your position, senior pastor, students team, assimilation, operations, Whatever it is, our goal is to develop you into a more effective leader. Plus, it's just a ton of fun. So at CLC, we try to model a lot of the staff culture we talk about here on the podcast. And it typically includes a lot of fun, uh, a lot of memorable uh, moments, and uh, not to mention the food. I, I will venture to say we have the best conference food um, ever. 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 It's a bold claim. Let's stand by. Well, tickets are going fast. You can learn more at churchleadersconference.com. 
So you started going to almost start to dream, what would it be like if we were A minuses or A pluses and just starting to paint that picture to get people to see, all right, C minus isn't, isn't good enough. That's not, that's not what we want to do. We want our, our groups to be growing. So now let's just dream for a moment. Let's look forward to the future. What would this future be like? Which is, John, something I, I love what you say often, and I know you've said it on this podcast uh, quite a few times, that leaders just live in the future before everybody else gets there. I probably butch- butchered yeah, uh, your it. statement, but that's yeah. that's kind of what you're trying to do is lead your team. Let's go live in the future for a little bit. Let's look around and see things that are working well, and then we'll come back and we'll start to set the strategy. Yeah, we, we envision like groups together, Acts 2.42, that they were there with fellowship and prayer and the apostles' teaching and breaking of bread. Like we could see it, think about it, dream about it, that they were there healthy, that they were growing, that they were raising each other up in Christ. And that's like the... The, the beauty of community that can and should yeah. be that's laid out in Scripture. What was the mood during those conversations? Because the C- minus sounded like a bad, like, okay, now we're a little down, but now we're starting to talk about the future. Is the mood picking up? I think it was a blend because I think for some of that, just, I mean, as you're thinking about leading change, there can be a like, okay, but what does that mean? Like, are you going to ask me to make bricks without straw now? Like, did you just double my work? Or uh, what's it going to take to get there? Because I've got all I've got seventy five groups that I oversee, and now you're asking me to do these other things too. And like, um, I, I think uh, maybe I could have done a better job of connecting those dots too. I mean, we talk a lot about hey, we're not asking anyone here to work more. We know that you're already working really hard. You're not going to work more. We are going to work in a different way that I think, frankly, is going to free you up to operate more in your gifting, that's going to bless the flock more, and this ministry is going to thrive all the more. It's not going to be harder. It's going to be better. And I think that is so important. When you're starting, when you're at that phase where you're starting to envision a future, the moods are probably not going to be all chipper like yours is, because what most people are doing in that moment when you're talking about the future and you're saying, hey, here's how we're going to change the world— what they're wondering is, uh, how is it going to change uh, their world? That's what they're thinking about. Sure. And so it's not personal. It's just natural. That's just what happens. They're thinking like, yeah, what think. on my to-do list is going to change now to get us to this envisioned future? So it's not that they disagree with it. It's just there's ambiguity for them now. They don't know what... Now the change just got personal for them. And so some of the excitement can start to go away. Yeah, Skip. Yeah, they want to know... I, this is your line, Adam. What do I write on my to-do list? Yes. <laughs> I'm for everything you just said. So just just tell me what you want me to do. That's the question they're asking. Yeah. And everyone's thinking when they're thinking about change, they're getting excited, but they want to know. Yeah. Um, and a wise, they want to know what it will mean to them. And a wise leader will just keep that in mind. You don't you don't want to like uh, dumb it down. You don't want to water down the vision um, to the to the bare minimum that they'll come along with. But you do need to understand that they're going to have to put this into action. Uh, they're going to have to do something with this, which I think would take us to our next next kind of point. Yeah. Is actually now now what do you do? Yeah. yeah. Number five, our fifth. Uh, fifth principle here is after you've defined reality, envisioned the future, now you set a strategy. So here's where we are. Here's where we want to be. Now, how are we going to get there? That's principle five. Talk about that, John. Maybe a takeaway here would be that they're not, it's not that they're going to do a different amount of work. It's that they're going to do a different means of work. So we're just, we're coming about this with a different strategy. Whereas before, you know, in our context, a director on average would have 75 groups that they oversee. 75 leaders that they're in touch with, and they're trying to get around to those as quickly as they could. And so we've uh, did a big recruitment by the elders, not by me. I I, I said to the elders, I said, look, if I go and try to recruit our best lay leadership from Watermark, 
Uh, they're going to say, I'm already doing X, Y, and Z. I'm busy. I don't have the bandwidth. If you go, elders, and ask them, hey, we would like for you to consider come and be a shepherd over community groups. It's the most important thing that we do here. It's the life and heartbeat of the church. They'll say yes. And so uh, that was one of the strategies was like, hey, I'm not going to ask them. Frankly, respectfully, yeah. you're going to ask them. And, and to encourage you there, the humility that even takes to go, hey, I was tasked with leading this change, but I understand some of the most important aspect of this. If I go to them, I don't know if it's going to be as effective. I want to see this goal get accomplished. So I'm willing to, you know, put my pride aside and just go, I want, let's have the best person mm-hmm. go and make this mm-hmm. ask. So yeah. encourage you on that, man. Yep. And so uh, they did. We had this incredible kind of recruitment night where everybody came in, they heard the vision cast for that. Todd was there speaking on it and then uh, gave him time and space to pray and talk to community about that, make the decision. And then we had an orientation event where they raised their hand and said, yes. And so they're now uh, all of a lot of this like incredible lay leadership has been brought into the community ministry so that they can help our directors who are spread thin. I mean, 75 groups, you know, just do the math. And so now we have shepherds that are going to oversee three to five groups each in that Exodus 18 strategy. So that was one of the things. The other thing that we talked about is um, these the values that we had, the community group values. It's funny, of the best lay leadership, uh, and I say that, I mean, certainly there are people there that, uh, that weren't there that should have been, but we had this incredible, like, this is the watermark DNA, like yeah, real people that, yes, they're there in the room, 250 people. I said, hey, pop quiz, um, real quick, who in the room can tell me the community group core values? You're here, you're leaders in this, you've lived this for probably 19 years. Can Who can tell me? And I'm going to give you the mic. Like, don't raise your hand out of, <laughs> you know, uh, just because you want to. And uh, how many would you say out of 250 raise their hand? I know the answer. Do you really? You already know yeah. the answer? I tell them, I tell some stories. Right? Seven, good. Yeah. Seven people do. raise their hand. And uh, I said, y'all, if, if that's you who know these values, you live them. If, if, if we don't know them, there's no way the rest of the body, seven out of top 250. Yeah. And so we've got to make those livable and not just try to learn them. And so we introduced these three questions, which I think we've talked about in a previous podcast, but how have you fed your soul? How have you fed the flesh? And how have you fed others? That's going to get us living out those six core values on a weekly basis. They're going to process those as a community group, be prayed for after they say, how have you fed the flesh? Um, to be prayed for, and then go into steps of repentance. And uh, how have you fed others? That's that's living on mission, engaging missionally. So discipleship, evangelism, giving and serving in the name of Christ. How have you fed your soul? Not just I've read the Bible, check the box, but like what's God teaching you? What are you doing to stir up your affections for the Lord? And so that was one of the strategies as well um, that we put in place. And then there was this like internal change um, that we're doing just to like, we've got to know the condition of our flock. We got to know like frankly, what we're talking about here on leading change, we got to do that not only on a macro level for the community ministry, we need to do it on a micro level for each group, um, each leader of each group, like where are you, where do you need to be? And so we're revamping the assessment, the annual assessment they each take. Um, As we get together and and meet with them, 
Uh, we'll then have a database where we're tracking like, hey, here's where the group is. These are some of the growth areas that they need to kind of live out and continue. And so that just like a doctor keeps my charts from 10 years ago, he's got kind of a track of where I've been and what I need to do. I need to start taking vitamin D. I need to start, you know, removing this, adding that. How did you involve the team though? As you're setting the strategy, so they all nodded their heads, were a C minus. You painted a picture of the future. Now you're putting things down going, here's the changes. How did your team get involved in that? I mean, these weren't just all your ideas. Maybe you had the seedling of those ideas on that document, but you still had the team get involved in creating this new strategy, right? Yes. So we, um, you know, I think about it like, a, you know, when Laura and I are driving, a lot of our arguments come from the fact that I, I'll just like, I'm changing lanes and trying to get, I mean, we live in Dallas, so, you, you know, you're trying to get there three minutes quicker by right. almost killing yourself. Yeah. It drives her crazy. Um, if I loved her well, I'd be like, I'd, I'd tell her, hey, we're going to exit in two miles. Uh, we're coming up on the exit. There's exit 103. I'd turn on my blinker. I'd look over my shoulder. Instead, I'm just jerking the wheel, um, which drives her nuts. And so I was trying not to do that on the team. I was trying to communicate to the team early and often. And so in one of the first meetings, they said, so we're, we've kind of heard about these changes you've talked about with the elders. Like, what do you have in mind? And kind of walked through that with them. I think a little of it, just change is hard. So I yeah. think a little of that probably was unsettling um, to everyone, yeah, uh, including myself. Like, man, this is about to, we're about to embark on something. But we talked about it early and often. And then we we try to have this environment, I hope, where it's like, hey, and if you have, I mean, I said it recently, even as we were talking about this podcast, I said, hey, we're going to be doing a podcast on leading change. If anybody has any ideas or inputs, like, let me know, shoot me an email, would love to include those. As we're talking about the app, it's like, hey, guys, this is the app. Does anybody have any ideas to make that better? I mean, you guys are the ones, boots on the ground, living it. You're going to make it better. So tell us the ideas. Hey, we got the sermon series coming up. Hey, we've got this event. And even the events, like don't try to be all things like play your position. So like, I know I'm not gifted in certain things. So it's like, I don't need to have anything to do with that event. We've got really, really gifted event people. So I, I'm going to show up to that. I'm going to speak at it, but I'm not going to drive that. Yeah. And uh, so just, um, that's good. Yeah. John, I love what you did. Collaboration. There. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It just, you've got to get this stuff uh, out of your head and either on paper or some, something, uh, in some kind of form that everybody can understand and execute. Um, and and so a, a mistake I've made, I see leaders make it all the time, is they kind of go away for a few days, go up to the top of Mount Sinai, come down, and they will make these uh, these big, broad brushstroke statements, we're going to improve community. Like, we're going to radically change it. You know, <laughs> we're going to make this so much better. Let's go. And uh, and then they get frustrated uh, that their team isn't doing everything that's in their head. And it, all, all it is is they haven't spoken that out uh, and clarified that. If people on your team want to do uh, kind of what you want to do, what the elders want to do, what they think is best. They just need to know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds so so simple, but I have been frustrated and I have frustrated others uh, because th the reason is I ju I've just lived with something so long, some change or some envisioned future. Like I, I can see it. I can tell you what color uh, the walls are, you know, and how everything's laid out. Like what's wrong with you guys? It, we just heard about it for the first time. Yeah. You know, we have no idea. So tell us, and I bet you we can we can pull that off. And so, uh, so you got to have a strategy, something kind of written down, some playbook uh, in which to execute. Super basic, but I've, I see that mistake made all yeah. the time. All right, let's reset here. So we had pray, clarify the ask, define reality, envision the future, set a strategy. Those are the first five principles. Let's go through these last two here. Uh, the sixth one, John, that you have down is to empower people. Why don't you talk about that one? Yeah. Uh, let me, let me let me say this too on the on the heels of all that. Like, 
I, I do not presume to have done this perfectly. And so we've made a lot of change in the last 10 and a half months. And on our, on our staff retreat, I sat down with them and I just said, look, hey, I, I know that this year has been hard. I know we've made a lot of changes. We talk about strategy and all the tactics and, hey, here's the new offense and this and that. I know that's difficult. Thank you so much for your patience with me. And I want you to also know every year is not going to be like this. Like we are in a state of flux. And so just rest easy that this is not going to be, this is not the new normal um, as far as strategy. And we're talking about, you know, people as well, empowering people. And so that just, that that plays into it. Yeah, that's it. good. That's good. As we, as I came into the team, so I have... Um, whereas I may have vision and leadership and direction, what I don't have is administration, execution. Like I'm just not a details guy. It drives my wife nuts, probably drive my team nuts. And so coming into that role, it was just important to look at a 17-person team and think, all right, we have these teams. We have sub-teams. They need to have leadership on each one of the sub-teams. I need to get the the people there with the right power and authority. And so having the right people in the right place with the right, the right to act. And so really good. Uh, a lot of times when I was new on the team, I think just out of respect and uh, I don't know, new, new leadership, maybe I was, I was getting questions and, you know, about vacation or a particular pastoral strategy. And I just realized like, I need to make a really clear delineation that this person is over men, this person is over women, this person is over married, um, this will be the directional team, so that those people didn't feel like, I mean, when you got 17 people lined up to come to me, that's not helpful to me, it's not helpful to them, I'm delayed and get back to them. So really empowering people in those positions and then giving them the right to act on that, that they don't even have to come back to me with everything, but like, hey, I've got you over that team for a reason, like you're so trusted, value you. If you have questions, absolutely. Um, come to me, but and not not expecting everybody just to figure it out. Yeah. I, and I think some of that clarity and uh, handholding is probably too strong of a word. But you just just letting everybody know here on this new strategy, this is what you're going to do because you're uniquely qualified to do this. Yeah. Well, you're accountable for it, and you also are empowered to do it. I'm not going to hold you accountable for something that you don't have the uh, the empowerment to go and execute. So, John, one of the other things I, I think you did during that time was you moved some people around and you gave some new roles, which I think was a was really catalytic for some of the stuff you were trying to pull off. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I'll give one example that, I mean, stands out. I'll never forget it. It's like been so, nothing would have happened. I mean, maybe 20% would have happened had this one change not been. So everyone's kind of created equal on the team or placed equally rather. They're, They're all directors of community. And I'm looking at this one director who I know really well for years, never had a chance to work with him, but I know him. And I always, even before I was on the team, I was like, that's so strange that he's a community director. Like he's not, he's not pastoring, shepherding is not his A gift. I don't even think it's his B gift. <laughs> it might be his C gift. He's going to listen to this. You yeah, know that. totally, totally. And he knows it because it's like, play your position, man. He, he Know who you are, like who you are, be who you are. And so he, he is, uh, he's got um, king and prophet. Priest would be third if he's, he is king and prophet. And so we walked through like one event and I saw his gifting like come alive as a, he would like just bird dog things. I'd be like, I'm thinking this. And he'd walk out of my office and come back two minutes later and be like, it's done. It's scheduled. Here's this. Here's your details. Here's your speaking points. I'm like, oh my goodness, who are you? That's amazing. Like that would have taken me a month. And so uh, the sub point here would be find your Joe. His name's Joe Daly. And I... Um, and nobody can find his name on our website. 
<laughs> just anybody listening. He's untraceable. He's untraceable. You cannot, you cannot hire him. So I was like, hey, Joe, um, this is not really even an actual title on the team um, because we have community directors under the director of community. But from now on, you're executive pastor of the community team. Yeah. We're going to reduce, like greatly reduce the amount of groups that you oversee. We're going to give those to other directors so that you can like sail and flourish in what God has given you to do. We're going to make a lot of changes this year. We need an executive pastor. We need an executor. I've got vision. You've got execution. We're going to talk a lot. And uh, I mean, you should have seen, I mean, he just lights up and is like, this is what I was made to do. Like, he's so excited. He's thriving in his gift set and like excelling. And so now go figure like throughout the church, he's getting tapped to do these other things as people see him like um, with that gifting just coming alive and being fanned to flame. And to be clear, he wrote John's outline. <laughs> That's actually <laughs> true. For this whole That's podcast. No joke. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, but it's, it's a great point. Hey, if you're going to go ahead and change strategy, you might as well throw uh, all the, the players up on the whiteboard yep. as well, both uh, volunteer and staff. Is there a better seat um, to kind of leverage uh, their gifts? Yeah, which may be some difficult conversations, which leads us into the last point because, uh, and so the last principle is to sail through the storm. And so to be really clear, John, it, it sounds like to me you made these changes and everything's been perfect ever since, right? So now we're sailing off into the sunset as just having this amazing community ministry. Yeah, so sail through the storms. You got two things there. One is sail. Like you've got to move. There's got to be action. There's got to be deliverables. If you just like dream big and sit on, I mean, the Proverbs talk about that's like in vain. It's come to naught. Better is the one who actually does. And so sailing, there's action there. There's direction there. It's like find your North Star of the vision for change that you're going towards. Don't take your eye off of it and you press through. But don't inevitably, like there's going to be storms. Like your rations are going to get low. Some of the, I mean, it's it's going to be, there's going to be difficult. So, so, there were, it's funny, I was at a community event and this guy walked up to me and he says, uh, you know, this other church tried what you're doing and it totally failed. <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, truly, I'm like, I'm like, man, I, you know, humbly, I'm like, where were you 10 months ago? Like, I'd, I'd love to hear about what that was, what some of the learnings there were. Like, let, I, I don't want to be an idiot and just like sail into rocks. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, hey, I believe that this is the vision that the Lord has laid upon us. I believe it's clear in the scripture. The elders are behind it, and I believe it's going to come to pass. I know it's going to come to pass. Like, I can taste it. I can feel it. Yeah. And so you don't let the Eeyore, the resistance, the naysayer, the mocker, the disenchanted. Um, I, I, I hear them, but I don't take it personally, and I even I don't take it professionally. It's like, man, I, I see my North Star. So there may be a meteor that catches my eye. There may be some waves lapping against the ship. There may be some disgruntlement, but it's like, I, I believe that this is where we're supposed to be going. So you sail through the storm. The other thing that you do, I think, you know, to, to continue the analogy is you, you do keep your hand on the rudder. And so it's not like whatever I, um, whatever we came up with 10 and a half months ago to say, this is the direction. Um, we're nuancing things. I mean, even with the community app that we're rolling out this weekend, just now we reshot the video because uh, a woman on staff was like, hey, I'm not sure those words are best. That feels a little Christianese to me. And it's like, dude, thank you so much, yeah. Elena. That's incredible. And so we went to our director of communications. She's like, I think these words would be better. And it's like, great. It, it, it's, it's costly. You know, we're going to reshoot the video. We're going to drop it back into the app. We have to reload it back up to the app store, but that makes us better. And so the hands on the rudder and we're adjusting as needed, not from an adversarial approach, like for the naysayer, the Eeyore, the disenchanted, but rather like for those helpful 
adjustments and tweaks. I, I can't see the North Star during the day. We're just sailing. So there's adjustments that need to be made. And if you're so prideful that you're like, are like, no, it's my way. And this is my vision. This is where we're going hell or high water. Like that's, that's not, that's not going to be good for you or anybody. Yeah. Which the reality is that principle that we talk about often on here, that planning is priceless, but plans are useless. And even though, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Principle four, we're envisioning a future that isn't the real future. And uh, the Lord is the one that's going to determine where we're heading in the steps and everything. And so you've got to keep your hand on the rudder because when you were living in that future, you might have had some things wrong and you need to tweak your strategy. Or it's just the inevitable storms, as you said, the naysayers, the winds blow sometimes, and you've got to be willing to go, all right, we got off track a little bit there. Let's let's get back on. And it, this is inevitable with all change. Yep. It, it rarely, I, I would maybe as a leader, if you're leading change, be skeptical if it goes smooth. Like maybe you did something wrong and nobody views it as a change. Or maybe you're that unapproachable that people are like, I can't even tell him if something's wrong because I'm so afraid that he's going to chop my head off. Yeah. Yeah. You need to start celebrating the bad emails and the people coming and going, you're a fool going, okay, I think I got their attention. I think I'm doing this right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do think, uh, John, I mean, I, I'm thinking kind of this journey as I've, you know, Adam and I have been on it with you. Uh, you did a lot of work leading up to this. A lot of work. Like in many ways, you probably came to the night when we, you know, made the ask of the shepherds. You probably came in a little bit tired. Um, and yet in some ways, like your work has just begun. And uh, and that's just really important. Is If you're leading through change right now, maybe you're in the middle of it. And uh, you just have to know this is going to be a fight. Like, And it's going to take a long time time and it's going to be hard and there's going to be naysayers and, um, you know, detractors and setbacks and you're going to, you're going to fail and you're going to learn, but you don't, <laughs> to make change, you don't just send an email and take the afternoon off. Uh, you signed up, you know, for a long fight and, uh, which, you know, which you've continued to kind of have some of that same, uh, sense of urgency, I think is always how you bring about changes with a sense of urgency. You've done that. And, um, and so, and I, but you're going to have to continue to do it for a really long time. Yeah. I think perseverance is really important. Um, humility, staying before the Lord, like don't get high. I mean, you know, yesterday there was a little bit of a celebration with some of the changes in community. And it's like, dude, make no mistake. Like I'm just the one voicing it. There's, there's 25 people behind everything that's happening. Yeah. Um, the directors who are rolling this out and maintaining it, Joe, who's executing a lot, Mel, who's over women. There's there's a guy on that's not even on staff who's who's creating this app for us. There's the elders who are backing it. It's like it's a whole team. So don't take any of the credit for yourself. It's all the Lord's like cast those crowns. Another thing that probably plays into that perseverance, like you think about Columbus, like with this harebrained idea, like I'm going to leave Spain, go to the new world, find a new route to the Indies. And he loaded rations on a ship and like you had to get there. He was sailing off into the ocean blue with a crew of men who were hungry and thirsty, can't drink salt water. It's like you had to get there at some point. And so I do think in this leading change alongside of perseverance is like placing a stake in the ground, putting a date to something. If you don't put a date on something, it's going to take four times as long or may never get done ever. But to put a date to something like some of these events, or we're going to roll the app out here, or we're going to have this in the sermon series, that just, that creates some uh, internal momentum and and gives you some of the perseverance, even when you do face those obstacles. So another thing that I think helped us along the way. Love That's it. Really good. Well, John, these these principles are so helpful to anybody leading any change. And those of you that were driving around listening, if you're like, man, I wish we could go over those again. Those are written down. Don't worry. Click on the uh, the show notes, and they will be right there for you. So 
John, before we wrap up, any final thoughts? Yeah, just a couple thoughts, Adam. One is, uh, you know, leaders, if you're uh, on the front end of change or in the middle of change, like you're going to do it in your own way. John, John's got a, his own leadership style. And for some people to come in the office kind of like angry would be really, really detrimental. And it kind of, wore, you, you weren't unchristian, but there was just, you were agitated. And, uh, and that's kind of your style and it worked really well. Everyone's got a different style. You can actually lead through change and have a lot of people like you, you know, and go, this is a great idea. We're happy. And uh, the birds are chirping, the air is clean kind of thing. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, some, sometimes uh, there's a certain leadership style that it can be just less bumpy and abrupt and, and that's okay. Lead, lead in your own in your own kind of way. Uh, and then second, I was just thinking about at the systemic level with, uh, with churches, uh, you need to be patient with those yeah. who don't get on board uh, initially. You're going to have, a, you know, maybe a third, maybe a third will, they're going to jump on great. I don't even understand it, but I'm in. Uh, another third is going to go, I, probably if you could convince me and show me uh, that this is going to work, I'm in. And then you're going to have a third that's going to be hard to drag along. And so um, I, I don't think you want to cater too, too much to them, but you do need to uh, You need to be aware that uh, the status quo um, is what they said yes to. Like They said yes to this church, this strategy with their presence, uh, with their membership, with their time, with their energy, with their money. Like they voted for this thing and they said yes to it. And now you're going to walk in there and change uh, the game on them. And so this uh, institutional memory is a category. Uh, that's real. And uh, and so, again, you just want to create, I think, a sense of urgency, a sense of why this will be better, uh, or maybe a sense of like, we're going to miss out on an opportunity and uh, we're going to go this way. We hope you come with this. And I think you can be Christian. I think you can be kind, um, but, but do understand it's not... Only that they're just mean and you know um, they they're slow to get it. Well, they they voted for this. They chose what was. And just I think you just want to be uh, aware of that. But uh, man, if you're contemplating changing and you're wondering should you, uh, if you're a leader, the answer is probably yes. Yeah. And so be courageous. Uh, pray. Pray big. Uh, get away, think, and um, and go have go have fun. See what God's got for you. That's awesome. John, thanks so much for being in here in the studio with us. We love having you here. If you have any questions or comments on today's episode, feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.